Welcome to Insights with Sights, the symphony of scripture, a weekly podcast exploring the themes and contours of the weekly scripture readings. For more information about the podcast or to download the companion notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca slash podcast. We now join our host, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Seitz. The lessons appointed for the fourth Sunday of Easter come from the fourth chapter of Acts, Psalm 23, 1 John chapter 3, and the Gospel of John chapter 10. And the Gospel reading should signal to us that we're moving away from the resurrection accounts of the Synoptic Gospels and John, which we've heard for the first three Sundays of Easter, and into new terrain. So let me say a brief word about that. We've been using the word symphony to speak of the way four lessons have been chosen or orchestrated so as to bring forth the stunning music of God's Word week in and week out. Old Testament, Psalm, Epistle, and a generally continuous reading of the Gospels spread out over a three-year period. The challenges for any lectionary are obvious, and especially for this one. Cover as much of the Bible as is possible, a Bible in which, moreover, the Old Testament is about seven times larger than the New. Read through the Gospels in years A, Matthew, B, Mark, and C, Luke with John spliced into key moments of the year. Since there's a good deal of farewell discourse in John's Gospel and kindred material, it suits the Easter season particularly well. As we have seen, Old Testament selections during the bulk of the year are usually keyed to the Gospel by way of accordance or typology or figural anticipation and correspondences of various kinds. The call of Nathaniel, the call of Samuel, the waters of creation, the waters of baptism, Elisha and Peter and so forth. The epistles are sometimes chosen to come alongside these Old Testament and gospel pairings or they represent a continuous reading through an individual letter. The Catholic epistles, or part of them anyway, and the book of Revelation appear in Eastertide, and so too portions from the Acts of the Apostles, parts of the canon which would otherwise fall to the side. As we've seen, the Psalms are chosen Sunday by Sunday to reinforce one or more of the other lessons. This Sunday is a good example. What better psalm for John's discourse concerning the Good Shepherd than Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. God's presence and his victory 
through the valley of the shadow of death. The table set in the presence of enemies and the green pastures of a garden now with an empty tomb from which new life springs forth for the church. In Easter, as we've seen, the Old Testament gospel pairing, familiar from other times of the year, falls to the side. One could assume that the correspondences then between a continuously read Acts and 1 John and the Gospel of John would be happenstance. Depending on just where we happen to be reading, as we move along on these three different tracks. But the careful reader will notice that some attention has been given to select the portions of Acts over years A, B, and C so that they fit as best as is possible with the other readings. One shouldn't be surprised, moreover, to find correspondences between the Gospel of John and the first letter of John, which we're reading this year, since they've typically been taken to have the same author, John the Evangelist, the beloved disciple, as the book calls him, or John the Elder, or John the Apostle, or, as the tradition has held, one and the same of these possibilities. Comprehensiveness, proper associations, continuous reading, and a proper fit with the liturgical season are four goals this lectionary sets, and they are a challenge to achieve. But then again, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for instruction. So even where the selections conform to principles other than direct association, the attentive reader will see important reinforcing themes and contours just the same. In Easter, after three Sundays of resurrection narratives, passages selected from John chapter 10 and chapters 14 to 17 are read for the final four Sundays of the season in years A, B, and C. Jesus' farewell discourses and the themes of the Good Shepherd, the true vine, the love commandment, the protection in the name, and so forth. This Sunday, 1 John 3, John chapter 10, and Psalm 23 all speak of the Good Shepherd, the one who has laid down his life for the sheep. Beyond this, we can see other associations of various, more subtle character. So let me just highlight a few. Note the repetition of the word commandment or command at the close of the epistle reading from 1 John. The command of the Lord is that we believe on his name and that we love one another and care for one another in that name. 
In the gospel, Jesus speaks at the last verse we hear of the commandment he has received from the Father who loves him, in whom he abides, and in just the same way we abide in him. The commandment he has received is the power to lay down his life. Jesus goes to death in the power of God, not as a victim, but as the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep that are his very own, with the further intention to enlarge the flock and bring in all the sheep who are his. God's commandment then to Jesus consists of the power to lay down his life and receive it back again from the Father. Such are the good commandments of a loving Father. The first epistle of John speaks of the commandment we receive, a commandment we receive in turn from Jesus, that is, to believe on his name and to love one another. Our lesson from Acts resumes, picks up with the episode from last week where a man lame from birth has been healed by Peter. After a night in prison, he and John are brought up before the leaders of the community and asked to explain by what power, note the same word used by Jesus, by what power the man born lame has been restored. And the power consists, as Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, the name one John speaks of in terms of a commandment given to us to believe on just this name, which enables us to abide in him and do his works by the Spirit which lives within us. And it is that same Holy Spirit which stands up and speaks boldly in and through Peter in the lesson from Acts. The psalmist, too, speaks of a revived soul of being guided along right pathways for his name's sake. Then there is First John's emphasis on love, a love in action, not just in speech, but a love which flows from the active love of the Father for Jesus, which Jesus foregrounds in his Good Shepherd discourse. The Father loves the Son, and that love is expressed by the Son in his gift of his life for the sheep he loves, who are his very own. This love, First John announces, has the power to surmount the human heart itself. That heart, we believe often, that is the source of love, but which can falter and even condemn us, First John says. No, the love of God is the love of God expressed in his son's giving of himself, and it is greater than our hearts because it is of God and is God himself. Once that surmounting love is granted by the Spirit, we are given boldness and a receiving spirit to take on what God has to give to those 
who abide in his love. And as we have come to expect, the psalm chosen for the day often builds bridges across more than just one text, and how true this is of the 23rd Psalm. There is Peter in the midst of imprisonment and public challenge. And so too there is also a table, unseen but carefully spread out before him in the presence of those who seek to trouble him. The cup that runs over is the Spirit's empowering of Peter an empowerment which brings good health to the man born lame and to all who come within the range of the name of Jesus Christ and who believe on him in consequence of the healing. The shepherd's rod and staff are signs of the concrete life-giving and spirit-protecting love of the good shepherd the Good Shepherd, even Jesus Christ, who is no hireling doing a job from a distance or for personal profit, but he who enters into the valley of the shadow of death where the sheep need protecting, and he lays down his life and by that act of love takes it up again. So on this Sunday, when we hear selections from Acts and 1 John and John's Gospel and Psalm 23, though the pattern and manner of selecting the readings is different for the Easter season, rich are the linkages and correspondences and key themes and contours all the same. Thomas Cranmer was right to understand that it takes five verbs to describe how Scripture makes its inroads in the collect he composed for Advent. Grant us, he says, so to hear the Scriptures, to hear them, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that we might embrace and hold fast the gift of eternal life. A collect he wrote with an eye toward the 15th chapter of Romans, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The symphony of scripture has this power and we witness it in full in full orchestration, yet again on this fourth Sunday of Easter. We hope you enjoyed Insights with Sights, the symphony of Scripture. For archived episodes and notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca slash podcast. Thank you, and we hope you tune in again. This podcast is a ministry of Wycliffe College at the University of Toronto.